0: Welcome to Naperville Notables, I'm Liz Spencer. Here we're having a conversation with people making an impact in our community and I'm joined by Deputy Chief Kathleen Anderson of the Police Department. So welcome, Kathy. Thank you. Thanks for having, coming over and having a chat with me, I appreciate that. I think everybody always wants to know if, if you always wanted to be a police officer. When you, when
1: I didn't up. really know until I was 17 and okay. it's kind of a, a funny story how that happened. So I was signed up to go to Southern Illinois University, mm-hmm. got accepted my junior year for civil engineering, but then I was thinking I wanted to go into the military, so I was thinking of the Air Force Academy. And my parents didn't want me to go into the military, so they said, hey, try the police cadet program in Palos Hills where I grew up. So I tried that, I was 17, it was my senior year of high school, and my second day of doing a ride along there, I just fell in love with it, it's, everything changes no two days are the same, anything can happen.
0: Wow, so, so your, your parents actually thought being a police officer would be a little less than, a, <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: than
0: an
1: Air Force officer? Yes, and they didn't think I'd make a career
0: out not of right. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you kind of fooled them a little bit on I that. I did. But I think it's interesting that you said you loved it because everything was different and always changing. Talk to me a little bit about that. Some people would not like that at all.
1: And I was tracking that way, engineering is very specific, very Mm -hmm. methodical, Mm -hmm. and I like that part of it. But the police work part of it is you try to plan everything out and then anything can happen. So you got to react to it. So it's a lot of um, being prepared to and everything mentally and physically you can to be prepared for the job, but then going out and seeing what happens and you got to use all those skills. So I, I like that challenge.
0: That's interesting. I think most people think about police and they think about the patrol officer in the car because, unfortunately, we usually encounter them. For me, I usually encounter them because I have a very lead foot and likes to speed, <laughs> so I, 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 I get I get pulled over, and that's fine. I respect that. I know my risks,
1: but. Um, you were a patrol officer. That was your first encounter here in Naperville. It was. We all start out as police officers in the patrol division. So I did that for six years uh, before becoming a youth investigator for all of six months. Before I was promoted to sergeant, then I was back in patrol again.
0: Well, I think patrol would be very neat. I think I would like a ride along. And if mm-hmm. I could move back in time, I think if I had joined you there, I might have been a police officer, or I might have you know, become a, a a firefighter too. I like both of them. But what's what's neat about being that patrol officer, and, and was it
1: unique for you to be a patrol officer at that time? Oh, it was not unique. Uh, I was looking back and going, "Gosh, how many female officers did right, we yeah. have on the department at the time?" And in 1993, there were ten female officers on the department when i joined so that was pretty cool and actually the first police officer that was female that was hired by the naperville police department was in 1973. that's great so when i started path was already paved so when i came into patrol it wasn't as big of a deal i was had to make the job on my own merits not by my gender which was fantastic
0: that's awesome now you mentioned that you were You did a little bit in youth investigation, but you also have done a lot with youth. Tell me why, what's the love with that?
1: I just have a passion for, you want to be a police officer because you want to help people. Okay. And the people that you want to help the most are those that are the most vulnerable populations. So youth don't necessarily have a voice for themselves. And And the fun thing about working with kids is if you see them and you intercede when they're going down the wrong path, you can correct that behavior and it's not Uh, a game-ender for them, they're not going to automatically go to jail. You have so many things and tools in the toolbox, so to speak, that you can do with youthful offenders and get them on the right path and sometimes they just need a little extra guidance and it's okay if they make a mistake, let's get them on the right path.
0: Right. Sometimes yes, I totally agree. Sometimes you don't know what a kind word or some intervention
1: mm-hmm.
0: just once will do. Yes. And, and often I think that's the time where a youth officer would intercede. So you often um, encounter people not in a great situation. How do, you, how do you process that, that you're not always there for the best of
1: times? Uh, part of it is you have to understand that you're a uniform, you're not getting attacked personally, they don't know you as Mm -hmm. a person, they're looking at the uniform. And you have to to separate that. You have to say, okay, if they're upset, they're upset because of the situation or they're upset because the police are here. It's not because of me personally. And you try to talk to them and, and just keep talking to them calmly Try to reason with them. I've had uh, an extensive amount of training in mm-hmm. crisis intervention and crisis negotiation, and it really comes down to communicate. And that's where I think sometimes gender does benefit it. Mm-hmm. Women like to talk, mm-hmm. so uh, why not put the skills to use and just talk and remain calm and work through it?
0: Do you ever? How do you not take it home and, and worry about things? You know, and
1: you know, especially you know in the community, and we hear it's it's a crazy time out there. Um, I don't know if I've successfully done that so far. Uh, it helps that I live in a different town. Yeah, It's about a half hour drive home. So decompressing on the sure. drive home and trying to unload. Uh, I have a great circle of family and friends where I can talk to them. I can make that phone call on the way home and try to decompress so that when I walk in the door to my own family, I'm not coming with all the burdens from work, but it's still hard and the, and the higher that I've gone in the chain of command, the more burdens that are on your shoulder and mm-hmm. they're not necessarily always the community, they're personnel issues, they're budget issues. There's a, there's a lot of things that are always on your mind.
0: Yeah, well, and it taking time out for you, I think is important. I think we're all getting a little smarter on that, whether it be police or fire or just regular. So thank you. And we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna come back with more Naperville Notables. Stay tuned.
1: Naperville this spring with over a hundred shops from national favorites to one-of-a-kind boutiques. Plus over 50 restaurants and health and beauty options too. Downtown Naperville is the premier shopping destination in the western suburbs. And don't forget about Downtown Naperville gift cards. They make a perfect gift for every occasion. Come shop,
0: dine, stay, and have fun in Downtown Naperville. Welcome to Naperville Notables. I'm Liz Spencer. This is a conversation with people making an impact in our community. We're joined right now by Deputy Chief Amy Scheller of the Fire Department. Amy, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, Amy, you and I have known one another a long time. You were actually a community volunteer way back in the day for NCTV, so that's super. Tell me a little bit about how you got
2: started on your journey. Did you always want to be a paramedic? I didn't. Okay. No, no. I didn't. I was pretty active, pretty athletic. Uh, and so I started in a field in college, uh, it was health science, mm-hmm. it was, um, and I wasn't sure which direction I wanted to go. Um, and I dabbled a little bit with special education, mm-hmm. it was really a passion, um, and I had trouble with a couple classes. Sure, I mean health sciences, <laughs> chemistry, yes. all of that is hard. <laughs> right, right out of the gates. Yeah. And freshman year is hard too. Sure. Uh, so one of my counselors recommended that I go talk to the local volunteer fire department. So I went, and they needed people pretty bad, Mm -hmm. uh, and they signed me on. So I actually went to college and was a volunteer firefighter at the same time, and they sponsored me through all my core classes. So through EMT class, through paramedic school, through all the fire science classes. Wow. So were you one of the uh, first or only women on that group? I wasn't, but I did break a couple firsts there. I was the first lieutenant um, at that organization. Uh, but it was fantastic training. Gained a lot of confidence, and that's what's needed in the fire service, is you need to be confident with the skills that you have. So, yeah, very, very appreciative of that organization. So what, what did
0: your parents think about it when they when you went back
2: and said, hey, I'm going to be a firefighter? Uh, they, they were good with it. Yeah, they were good. So my father is really, he's a, he's a fantastic role model. He was that dad that let you hold the flashlight. Mm-hmm. Uh, he let you climb the roof. You know, he never... There was no difference uh, between me and my brother with my dad so very fair very fair very fair and you know he knew the kind of daughter he was raising so Mm -hmm. he let me kind of push boundaries and kind of challenge different you know statuses and you know do things like uh, i I remember i played for a co-ed soccer team and i wanted to play goalie and i was about the smallest kid on the field and i was so persistent he's like fine play goalie well, I got, I got annihilated playing goalie. <laughs> How did that work out Yeah, <laughs> It didn't work out very well. He knew, but he, he knew that he could put me in that position and I would learn. Right. Well, he probably knew you had to kind of figure it out for yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So eight-year-olds
0: playing soccer isn't a big risk, right? Right, right. <laughs> so you mentioned um, the word confidence. So
2: you have to be confident as a firefighter. Tell me, what do you mean by that? Well, I think you have to be confident in the skills, in your knowledge. You know, um, because you do go in you know, into a career that you know nothing of unless you have some uh, experience. So in Montgomery, they were able to train me, you know, in all the different aspects of being a firefighter that were so critical. And so I had some confidence. Uh, Perfect example is when I got promoted to lieutenant. I was one of the first female lieutenants and you did a story Mm -hmm. I remember it, yeah. yeah. We used the ladder truck. Yeah, it was super fun. Yeah, Um, well, I came into a station where it was all senior members. It was all people that had been on the job more than 15 years. a really elite group that uh, had a lot of pride in that ladder truck, Mm -hmm. and they typically do roof work and different work than engine companies, but because I had some experience from Montgomery of being up on a roof, throwing ladders, uh, working with tools from ladders, it closed that gap a little bit. Mm -hmm. There were other things I had to work on, but I didn't have to worry about that. Right, well, and you had to, I think part of being a leader is, is, is winning
0: the confidence of your teams. Yeah, So absolutely. especially as a, a woman leader of men.
2: Yes. So I'm sure that <laughs> latter experience helped. Absolutely. Yeah, it did. And uh, coming in, you know, on equal terms, mm-hmm. you know, and regardless of male or female, when you come into a situation like that, if you use positional leadership, you know, like your rank or bugles, then it's not very successful, especially with firemen. They right. tend to put you in your place pretty quickly yeah right
0: so most people interact with the fire department in in tough situations so you see a lot yeah how do you how do you handle that as a as a person and not just internalize it or take it home how do you deal with all that
2: um you know one of the things that we're getting better at is understanding that there's a resiliency part of the job Mm -hmm. um so you know, when you come on, you know that you're going to be working in some really unique situations where people are kind of at their worst. Right. Um, and you're so focused on the task and reversing or stopping whatever's happening um, that t- typically when you're done with the incident is when you struggle to kind of process it. But knowing what your coping mechanisms are, knowing what you can kind of process best as is really, really really important. You know, so I have a really good group of friends, uh, really good family. Um, so a lot of times I'll talk through things with them. Um, I'm completely different than the next person. You know, I, I'm not a big talker about details of mm-hmm. events because I think people can assume, especially today, you can watch all kinds of things on TV. Right, yeah. And they're very detailed. You know, walking Dead, all these programs, you know, they're what, yeah, very graphic. Two. Yes, almost yeah. two. Yeah, so people are kind of seeing some of the things that we see, so we don't really, you know, need to describe a lot of it in detail. But yes, you have to have really good coping and Uh, resiliency is key. Religion is, you know, a big part for me as well, Um, and good friends. That's right. Well, and was that something you had to learn along the way, too? Yeah. You know what? I didn't get a book. You know, I I knew, you know that you're going into the, you know, the fire service and that there could potentially be things, but there was no chapter. You know, Mm -hmm. everything else I learned, you know, Mm -hmm. throwing ladders, you know, moving hose lines, running an engine, but there was nothing on, you know, how do you process a fatality? You know, or how do you cope with a family that's grieving? So, you know, we have a really good chaplain group. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have peer support. Um, just a good group of people. You know, we're kind of labeled with that twisted sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that helps process, mm-hmm. uh, though it can be, a, you know, complex at times. But, yeah.
0: Well, and you know, I think you mentioned it too that you do show up on the worst time of that person's life, and then you give such relief to that person. They're so happy and relieved that someone's going to help them. So it's it's nice to know that I think we're moving a little bit towards making sure that you get some relief, yeah, and, and the fire department and the police department people get some relief. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're going to be right back with more Naperville Notables.
2: NCTV17.com is the best place for you to stay
0: up to date on your neighborhood happenings. Get your local news and sports all on the go by signing up for our daily news update. Naperville Community Television, keeping you informed. Welcome back. The conversation continues on Naperville Notable. So now I have the both of you together. And so tell me a little bit about how it's changed from the time you first started out, you know, you as a paramedic, you as a patrol officer to now you are both deputy chiefs, you know, setting a new direction for us.
2: Who wants to go first? Yeah, well, in the fire service, I can tell you that um, just the the career, the occupation has changed, evolved from data, using data and strategy and tactics, you know, uh, buildings are different, medical procedures are different, but as far as being female and Mm -hmm. the change, um, I have been very fortunate to have women who have led before me and kind of soften the target. yeah, if I could use that term. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it was difficult, and I didn't realize it until a recent retirement of a really notable female in the city of Naperville that there was some difficulties that were experienced back, you know, 20 years ago. But, you know, I, if I could provide a report to those women now, I would say I have no experiences that have been negative, you know, for my career and for my learning and for the occupation of the, you know, the fire department as a whole.
0: That's wonderful. It's nice to hear
2: that. What do, you
0: th- what do you think for the police department? How has it changed for you?
1: Uh, probably technology is our sure. biggest thing. So mm-hmm. when I started in 1993, we had a little co- car computer about that big, <laughs> and it was a green screen, and it just told you where to go, and that was that. <laughs> so uh, we tell the new recruits say we hand-wrote reports until the year 2000. They look at us, they're like, wow, you yeah. hand-wrote reports. Yeah, and you had a little bump on your finger from you know all the pen writing here. So uh, technology has just taken off. And mm-hmm. They found it hard to believe that we didn't have cell phones on us in the mm-hmm. car. If somebody needed us to call, dispatch would call us and say, go to the fire station, make a phone call. Uh, technology has affected the way we do business. Now we get texts, we get emails, mm-hmm. we get phone calls are, are limited on what we do. So social media has taken off and has given us a whole new set of crime with computer crimes, with mm-hmm. financial crimes. So. We have to try to keep up with all the technology out there. Uh, as Amy had said earlier, I have been so blessed and fortunate that the first female officer started 20 years before I started. Uh, there were two females that were sergeants, uh, Lisa Burkhart and Betsy Bretner were sergeants when I started. So the path was already blazed. I was the first female commander and first female deputy chief, but gender was never brought up. And Chief Marshal and I had that discussion. I said, I don't want it brought up. I wanted you to pick me based on my own merit not by my gender. And it wasn't until I was a deputy chief and he and I had a lot of talks about, you need to get that out there because young women still don't think Mm -hmm. they can go into a police career or a fire career. And and Amy and I have talked about this before. We don't see ourselves as trailblazers because we've had good women who've gone before us, but maybe we need to get ourselves out there and still get the message out there that women, girls, they can do this job.
0: And I totally agree. I mean, whether you realize it or not, you are breaking through a ceiling there for us.
2: hmm Yeah. But it's, you know, people that came before us, too. And um, we had a really cool badge pinning about a month ago, and there was a lot of really notable women, powerful women uh, in that group. But then I recognized something as well. There were powerful men in that group, you know, that um, have allowed us to succeed. And I don't think we give them enough credit sometimes. So you know, let's hear for the boys sometimes, you know, the leadership.
0: Right, and I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a question out here. I think, like, I had a wonderful father. I had a wonderful mom, but my dad, my dad and I just clicked. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what role your dad played.
2: Huge, huge role. Um, uh, as we talked about earlier, you know, he never limited me based off of being female. Mm-hmm. Uh, he always put me in positions where I, you know, it was up to me to succeed or fail. You know, and being an athletic kid, like like I said earlier, I had a lot of energy, and so it's very difficult raising a child with a lot of energy. So kudos go out to my family for for doing that, and you know, and getting me in the right direction. You know, pointing me in the right direction.
0: Kathy, would you say
2: you had a strong relationship
1: with your dad? Was oh, that... very strong. Yeah, um, I wonder if that's an influence. And even though my mom didn't want me going into the military <laughs> and uh, was not crazy about a police career, my dad was secretly cheering, going yes, and. Uh, To this day, he was an alderman in Palos Hills, uh, did that for 20 years, and now he is still currently the president of their board of police commission there. So he loves the police department, he's very happy. Uh, When I made deputy chief, uh, he hit up the Palos Hills police chief about four or five different times on text messages. Hey, did you hear? Did you hear? And they're (laughs) like, yeah, we got the message. We're all good.
0: Well, you know, I think about... um Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg who was all about gender equality. And so maybe that's something to think about more than male, female, but just gender equality. Mm-hmm. So when we're thinking about that, and you kind of mentioned, so would, you, one of your, would your dad be one of your mentors? Would you think that? Oh, yeah. and, and what role do you think, you guys are, are role models and mentors, what role do you think that's gonna play for somebody? And why is that important to have a role, uh, a mentor or a role model?
2: You know, I, I had role models and mentors through my entire life. You know, it, it's strange how your life processes. You're a child, right? Mm-hmm. your mentors at that time aren't the same mentors that you have now. Right, and how you grow and change Yeah, with them. Yeah, and so I think about that question all the time, and to start listing off names would be very difficult because right. I would feel like I'd leave someone out. But sure. as far as me as a mentor, I think that's very important for both Women and men and Mm -hmm. girls and boys to see me succeeding, you know And so any opportunity that I get to be a mentor to someone um, And Kathy spoke about her uh, relationship with you know the child and you know Right and making sure that you you know uh, that you portray a positive image to those individuals It's it's key because sometimes that's all it needs is that little spark you know these kids that are young that are going into college for the you know for first year or even approaching the end of high school, they don't know what they want to do. You mm-hmm. know, but if they thought for a second they could be a police officer or a firefighter, and they see someone successful in that role, and then they get a positive, you know, communication, then maybe it leads them towards exploring that a little bit more.
0: Right. So, well, I think we forget too that that kids need adult role models, not a parent role model, but that other adult. I'm often the some of my college kids that will call me the adult front. Because, you know, I'm an adult, but, and I can be their friend a little bit, but I'm more that, that, that mentor role, that sort of like that youth officer, mm-hmm. you know, where you can just nudge them a little bit, mm-hmm. and you're not the mom or dad.
1: So I would agree with what Amy said, and the only difference I see in um, mentoring young women in our department mm-hmm. than men is they'll come ask me to the side, hey, how do you make a family work with advancing in your career? We have some talented young women in our department who don't want to take the sergeant's test because they feel it'll impact their family life. And it really comes down to having an understanding spouse. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both Amy and I have spouses that are in the business. So my husband's a retired police officer, her husband's a fire marshal. They understand what the job is. But if you get a spouse that's outside the public safety field, it could be a little bit more challenging, it could be more intimidating. We work 24-hour jobs, 24-7, mm-hmm. and my whole family was involved with uh, babysitting my kids when I was a new sergeant. Mm-hmm. They would come over late at night if I was working a midnight shift. So a lot of our young women, and I worry about that in the fire department too, sometimes you don't take that extra step because it means an adjustment in lifestyle. I just got comfortable. I just got the seniority. I got a Monday through Friday detective mm-hmm. job. Why would I want to go be a sergeant and go on midnight shift again and go through sleep disruption and then child care activities? So that's where it really, you have to show them the big picture. It'll work out. It's not forever. You're not going to do midnight shift in the next 20 right, years. Yes. it's temporary. Yes.
0: Well, I think, I think for any career, I think women in, in childbearing years and all that, it's tough to make that decision to... To try to balance it, or step out to raise that child, and, and then come try to, and then the reentry is a whole different topic all to one. And so, so you touched a little bit, but the work-life balance is is tough.
2: Yeah, it's critical. We um, we talk about that on a regular basis. Um, you have to have a healthy work-life balance. Uh, when I first got promoted five years ago to Bureau Chief of VMS, I had a horrible work-life balance. But mm-hmm. yeah, knowing, and that's where you use your mentors to mm-hmm. kind of help guide you through you know, those situations. And you know, ironically enough, people will approach you who you have great relationships with when they see you know, right. an unhealthy work-life balance. You know, hey, I see you working a little bit too hard or too long, or you're spending less time with your family. But yeah, you navigate through the mentors.
0: You navigate. It isn't life about navigation? It is. <laughs> so, as, as we kind of wrap this up, what's, what for you is, I, I don't want to say it's the best part of the job, or why is the reason you do the job?
2: I love helping people. I always have. I, you know, I have a helping heart. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, was, I love to change things, you know, be a change agent um, and show a good example. So that's probably one of the things that, and it was a realization, too, because I toyed with different careers. And Mm -hmm. then when I finally found the career that I wanted, it clicked. And so I knew it was a good fit. And then it just got better and better. And 20 years later, I felt like I just started yesterday. You know, I really do feel like I was a probationary firefighter just a month ago. So I think that's a good sign that you've picked a really good career. Mm -hmm. That is a good (laughs) sign.
1: Uh, It sounds really just hokey but i like helping people like amy had said but making a difference out in the community and naperville is such a wonderful community you can actually see that difference you're not fighting that uphill battle where you think you're fighting crime and then you're getting bashed by the public the public has been so supportive of both the police and Mm -hmm. fire departments and we need that and it helps us do our job even better if you ever need a reason to do it You look and you see that community support through caps, through different Facebook posts. If somebody picks on the police department on a Facebook post, there's five people waiting there to say, no, they're doing the right thing for the right reason, and it really helps us. And there's gonna be bad days on our job. A lot of times there's more bad days than Mm -hmm. good days, Mm -hmm. making that death notification, being at that call with that family. But having that support from the community is so huge And within our city leadership, too, Mm -hmm. they are fantastic. Uh, The city is at an all-time, I'd say, high level of support Mm -hmm. just for each other with the different departments. It's so fantastic.
0: That's wonderful. Well, I certainly appreciate what you have done um, for the community and and for breaking some barriers for women. I I know you don't feel like you're trailblazing, (laughs) but you are. So thank you so much. Thanks for taking time to have a little conversation with me. And we'll be uh, looking forward to seeing what you do next. (laughs) And thank you for watching Naperville Notables. I'm Liz Spencer.